2: Tom Bernard Show with J.B., Melissa Kirk, Andy Brandt Bernard. We'll be right back. Got a little news, got a little information. Shark week at the end of the hour. We'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael
0: Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company, and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Walzer
2: Automotive is a Minnesota family owned business. It started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer Way includes upfront, no haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three day return and 30 day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. <laughs> we're back, ladies and gentlemen. The clock's actually on. That was wonderful. The first two hours of this show today were amazing.
3: Well, it's strange to <clears throat> walk in and the the, uh, the the last quarter part of the first hour and to listen to you and the young man talk. Oh, What's Maranzio,
2: his name? V- Mr. Vance, Maranzio, Maranzio Vance. Vance. Yeah, yeah
3: to hear him guy. talk because. He says a lot of things just like I do.
4: What is that?
2: It's Tony Price. Oh, Tony's called. Tony Excellent. Price is here. Tony, how are you? Thanks yeah. For, yeah, I can hear you just fine. Thank you very much. I just heard somebody talking in the background. I was like, who's that? It's Tony Price. How you doing, my friend?
5: Whoa, I'm all wet. Uh-oh.
2: It's raining that bad. i heard it, and you know, wet. I heard there's a 100% chance of rain out in your area today, huh?
5: <laughs> I think that was pretty close to right. Yeah,
2: I heard it's just... I'm more. in...
5: I'm in Savannah, Georgia today. Oh, Savannah's
2: gorgeous. You ever been there before?
5: I visited here a couple of years ago with the wife. Yeah, we came for a weekend.
2: Yeah, there's and a, a great history.
5: Generally, it's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was on my way to Jacksonville, Florida, however. Uh, I stopped here because the motorcycle decided it was going to break down again.
2: Oh, God, you've had nothing but trouble. <laughs>
5: Well, that's not completely true, but wow, uh, i definitely had more trouble than I'm supposed to. Yes. So, so I'm at the uh, Savannah Harley-Davidson dealership. So somebody listening, call them up and tell them to treat me
2: right. Treat me right? Tell them I'm on a good mission. <laughs> Savannah to Jacksonville is not that far, though. It's not, it's not a bad drive. Uh,
5: I, I think it's about two hours or something.
2: Yeah, it's a couple hours. That's maybe,
5: right. maybe, maybe three
2: you uh, maybe it depends. Yeah, it depends how it goes. Yeah. But I do remember when I lived in Jacksonville, Florida, in 1977. I was working at WAPe Radio, and I wanted to go up and see the Okefenokee Swamp up there in Georgia. Um, uh uh-huh. And so I get in my car and I'm driving up, and as I'm crossing the Florida Georgia state line, this again was in 1977. There's a huge picture of an extremely muscular state trooper and it says 55 means 55.
5: <laughs> I was like,
2: "Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, officer." Yeah. I, they, I
5: think I saw that a very similar billboard on Highway 169 on the way to Malac.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> There's a possibility. Uh,
5: yeah, a lot of people like to go fast on that road. Mm-hmm. So you're in a hurry to get to the lake.
2: Yeah, that's true. You're How bad's the breakdown this time?
5: I don't know yet. They're they're still trying to figure it out. So the But it... uh, the the battery stopped taking a charge again.
2: Oh, so yeah. we're going to
5: see what happens and you know I, w- I was riding in the rain for 4 hours as soon as the sky broke the lights came on on the motorcycle.
2: Really? So, as soon
5: as I got to drive in the rain as soon as the rain stopped the motorcycle broke.
2: Oh God! So, wonderful.
5: So, but you know, I was thinking about that, and and this little mission that I'm on. These hardships are hardships, but they're easier to deal with. When I think about last week, I got to meet a fellow named Dom. Uh, Dom is 12 years old, and he lives up in north of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I stopped to visit him, and he let me meet him at his father's gravesite, and we had a wonderful little. Uh, opportunity, we talked for quite a bit about what it meant that his father was a national hero, Yeah. and his mother shared this story with me of what it's like for him, theirs is a really unusual story, Uh, mom and dad were together, she got pregnant, he was born, then dad was shipped out, and while dad was shipped out in Iraq as a Marine, um, they were making their wedding plans. So he was going to come home after his tour, and that's when the wedding was supposed to take place. And he was one week away from coming home, and he shipped all his stuff back, and they said, oh, we got one more mission for you. He actually had to borrow somebody else's gear, and it ended up being the last thing that he could do for his country.
2: Oh, God, what a story.
5: Well, it gets worse because his parents decided to disavow... uh, their grandson. Oh no! Because
4: what? they was born out of wedlock.
5: Because was, well, I you know I didn't get to meet them and I didn't didn't get to ask them their questions. But I uh, you know I just know what it means. I know what it's like. So here's a kid who lost his father and his grandparents pretty much in the same blow.
2: Oh god! And
5: because they because they weren't married, of course, uh, the grandparents that disavowed him got every all of the benefits. Oh. Got all the survivor's benefit. Yeah, see, so here's that's... a 12 year old kid without a dad, and he's got no shot. So
2: oh God! It was
5: pretty. Yeah, it was. It was nice to meet him, and he's a he's he's a real level headed kid. Uh, but you can kind of tell that he's not sure what his place is
2: because
5: mm-hmm. his dad is gone.
2: That's terrible. You
5: know, he knows full well who his dad was. His mother has told him plenty of stories. He can tell you what a great hero his father was. Um. He was loved by everybody in the Marine Corps. But, uh, you know, and, it, and it's when I get to meet kids like that and families like that, that's what makes riding for four hours in the rain worthwhile.
2: Yeah, I can you understand know, that.
5: By myself, in the rain, going down the road, not once did I curse at the weather. <laughs> <laughs> not once. Yeah. Because I... Uh, uh, I know I'm, I get to do the same thing tomorrow when I get to Florida, mm-hmm. assuming I get to Florida. Um, You know, I get to to, the Gold Star Dad I'm going to go down there and meet, uh, just outside of Lakeland, I think it is. Um, Here's a guy who's been in the Marines for 28 years, and he had a son, and his son grew up, and his son joined the Corps. His son ended up uh, getting killed on a mission, and Dad stayed in the Marine Corps. So he's, he's still active duty in the Marine Corps, even though he's buried his son. So I'm looking forward to meeting him, too. These are the kind of heroes that you don't get to hear about.
2: Mm, that's true. Every day. Yeah. That is absolutely So I'm,
5: true. I'm, I'm pretty lucky I get to ride in the rain for four hours and my motorcycle breaks down three times in three weeks.
2: Now, did you hook up? You were going to hook up with some people in, what, South Carolina or something like that? Did Did that ever happen?
5: Uh, Yeah, I hooked up with some people in South Carolina. I hooked up with some people in North Carolina.
2: Um,
5: uh, wonderful people over there. The. The gold star son over in South Carolina. He's actually a special knee kid. He's 14 years old and he's autistic. Mm-hmm. So he was a lot of fun to me. Um, and then also while I was in North Carolina, I got to stop at a place called Richard's Coffee House. You've probably never heard of it.
2: No, I haven't.
5: It's in a tiny town called Mooresville. Um, so I stopped in there and this is a, they call it a living military museum. And this coffee shop, if you're a veteran, you get free coffee. So I got to turn down their free coffee. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you walk into this place, and it's just amazing. From the second you hit the door, you're you're consumed by looking at all the stuff that they have of relics and, and uniforms from the Revolutionary War. Really? And it goes from there to the War of 1812, and from there to World War I, and the and, uh, Spanish-American War from the late... 1800, all the way up to everything that's going on in the Middle East. And this massive place, probably 6,000 square feet, had all of these little cubicles that represented all of the different conflicts that the United States has been in, and they have uh, relics and, and uh, uniforms and everything from every different military conflict. They even had a signed photograph of the guy who dropped the bomb on Hiroshima,
3: mm-hmm. who
5: actually... Grew up right down the road from that coffee shop. God. And they had, uh, you know, it was just amazing. They had uh, their own Vietnam memorial. They had posters up from Vietnam, and only Vietnam veterans had to sign it. So I got some really cool pictures of a picture on the wall that had, you know, nearly a thousand signatures of people who came in there and signed it in there uh, um, to see that military museum. So that was pretty cool.
2: Tony, is there, is there a, as you go state to state, is there a, a varying reaction to what you're doing from you know the the people that live in the area? I, I assume you're you're welcome, but is there kind of a differing reaction from state to state?
5: Not really. Good. About as open armed a welcome as I can get. The, the places where I see it's a little bit different are, well, because the schedule got mixed up with the with the bike breaking down. When I left, all the hotels were donated all the way around. Yeah. But because the schedule got thrown off, now I'm going into hotels and they say, well, no, that donation was for yesterday or that donation was for last week. No, you got to pay for tonight.
2: Oh, God.
5: So those kind of things. And, um, you know, places like I'm at the Harley dealership over here. And when I get done talking to you, I get to go talk to the manager and see if they can help me get this thing back on the road. But generally speaking, when I have to deal with, businesses they're like well you're just another guy to us
2: no i suppose i suppose that is true that's the way yeah Yeah, that's the way they would handle it
5: but even now i'm sitting in a taco place right next to a sign that says this is the number one rated taco place in in 2017 for the entire country
2: the number one taco
5: place yeah according to business insider magazine really so that's where I'm sitting right now. Number one taco. Blip. So when I'm done with my tacos, I'll go talk to the manager over there. And I'll talk to, and you know, whenever, whenever I talk to people at restaurants, they're just like, oh, it's so great. It's fantastic. You just know what you're doing. And that's why I'm doing it. So more and more people can understand mm-hmm. what a Gold Star family is. Because you know, uh, out of 20 people that I talk to in a day, 19 of them need me to explain to them what a Gold Star family is.
2: Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. People wouldn't know that. Yep. I, I, not many people would know that.
5: But, you know, 100 years ago, everyone in the country knew what a Gold Star family was.
2: Really? So 100 years ago, you say?
5: 100 years ago. In, in 1918, mm-hmm. everybody knew. And maybe I told you this before, so forgive me if I have, but during World War I, if you got a draft notice in your house for your 18-year-old son or brother to go fight in World War I, it came with a little white flag that had a blue star on it that you got to hang in the window, right, so yep. everybody knew that you were yep. a blue star family and you had somebody in the war. Yep. And if the if the telegram came, it came with another flag that had a gold star on it. So you take the blue star down out of the window, put the gold star up, and everybody in the country knew what exactly what it meant to be a gold star family.
2: Yeah, it's it's got to be really, so, really. It makes it must make you feel really, really good doing what you're doing. I would assume anyway.
5: Uh, you know what makes me feel really humble yeah you know the, the, as much gratitude as I'm receiving from strangers who just uh, open up their arms and say i can't believe you're here this is so wonderful it's great what you're doing it really makes me feel humble um, and and a little shy just kind of want to go you know I'm it's not for me it's not about me I'm not doing it for me but uh, you know I appreciate the thanks and the compliments that I get everywhere I go
2: All right. This next question, you can't lie. When you're in Orlando, are you going to go to Disney World?
5: Uh, You know, I I got a buddy that I've known since (laughs) I was four years old. I've known this guy so long, I don't remember how we met. Really? I, I just know we were preschoolers together. And he lives near there. And I've been talking to him for this last week. And, you know, so he can get on his bike and ride with me around Florida. And he's been telling me that I need to go to Disney
2: World. You do need to go to Disney but How, When's the last time you I'm were there? I'm not
5: a big fan of Lines. Eh, well, you'll <laughs> be fine. I'm not a big fan of Lines, so I doubt that I'll go there, especially now that it looks like I'm a full day behind.
2: Uh eh, I suppose. People are
5: waiting
4: for me. Are you going to go to the 7-Eleven from 2.30 a.m. at a 7-Eleven near Disney World, 1987? <laughs> what? There's this video what? on YouTube, a couple kids like college age or so, in 1987 they rented a camera and they just took a video of just people at 2:30 a.m. at a 7-11 near Disney World and it became this huge thing. It did? Yep. So you can visit that Was 7-11. That the basis for
5: that movie 20 years ago called Clerks or something.
4: Sounds it's similar, yeah. yeah but that makes they sense. Yeah, I um Clerks was made into a movie, whereas this is just a nine-minute
2: YouTube video. That is unbelievable. There might be too much stuff available these these days. Yeah,
5: I posted a video on YouTube, I think it was yesterday, of uh, when I went to that military, that living military museum in Mooresville. One of the old volunteers that's working there came out and and gave me an official welcome home. You know, I was in the Navy for four years. So he gave me an official welcome home, and that got videotaped tonight. Or videotaped? Probably not videotaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody recorded it on a phone, and, and uh, so I posted that on YouTube yesterday. And I'm recording tons of video everywhere I go. So something will idea. get made, but it probably won't be people going in and out of a Seven Eleven by Disney.
2: World. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> All right, finish Problem, your tacos and go see the so see the manager and tell him to get off his ass. It's time. All right. Thank you for your time. All right. Thanks, Tony. Tony. I'll Price reach out is, to you some sometime next week. I'll reach out. Yeah. We'll, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. So so. Safe right. travels, and I hope the the motorcycle starts to behave, man. Thanks <laughs> Me a lot, too. Tony Price. Right. Gold Star families visiting him in forty eight or forty nine states they haven't figured that out yet. We'll be right back in two minutes. Tom Bernard Show. Did you know that about sixty percent of people over the age of sixty are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? priority courier experts every time you call us we deliver where about oh that's right we don't have bumper music. <laughs> <I forgot> <laughs> the <laughs> it's like, where's the bumper music uh in any case thank you to tony price again gold star families on the big ride the gold star family ride supporting uh, the families of those who've lost a loved one in combat which is really cool Judge Janine Pirro from Fox News was on The View yesterday to promote her book about the anti-Trump conspiracy. It was contentious from the start. No, not on The View. <laughs> yeah, really. From all places to go. I know. Right. Things got really heated when Jeanine accused Whoopi Goldberg of having Trump derangement syndrome. With Pirro trying to shout over her, Whoopi said, quote, listen, I'm 62 years old. There have been a lot of people in office that I haven't agreed with, but I have never, ever seen anything like this. I have never seen anybody whip up such hate. I got to be honest with you. To me, it looks like both sides are whipping up to hate. I'm sorry, but. yeah, You can't whip
4: up hate and then say, wow, look at all this hate that this person's whipping up. You can't. It's coming
2: from you, not him. I've never seen anybody so be so dismissive. Well, that's true. He is very dismissive. He is dismissive. I and, would be too. And clearly you don't watch the show, so you don't know that I don't suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, what I suffer from is the inability to figure out how to fix this. Shortly after that, Whoopi cut off the interview saying, quote, say goodbye, goodbye, I'm done. They went to commercial. And when they came back, Whoopi said she was not proud about losing her cool, but she blamed Janine for setting her off. Also, the New York Post says Whoopi and Janine went at each other again backstage <laughs> after taping. Yeah, that doesn't sound like they're crazy at all. No, they're not <laughs> nuts. I mean, well, they're a couple of why women. Why
3: would so. you be a guest on a show and go on there to attack people?
4: Because controversy? Because we're talking about it now because it's in the news? Yeah, it's pretty much true, isn't it? It's
2: unfortunate. Yep. sad, but true. And that's what they do. Yeah. That's what they they both do. Yeah, they both get everybody, everybody all whipped up. And I, it just... I don't know the whole. I thing.
3: mean, you've always had the thought that you don't invite somebody onto the show to attack them.
2: That's true. Yeah, I don't do that.
4: But but that's th- not that popular as you know, right. controversial.
3: But my thing is why go on a show and and attack the host?
4: Cuz it's controversial. People start but talking just... about it. All press is good press at this point. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's probably
0: true. But it it, just...
3: it this I mean, I you, you see the even in private, you know, private life, your workday life, it's just become hostile.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah, there's no. You're absolutely right about that. That's why, why I refuse to bring it up. Tons of hostility, and I don't. I just really wish. God, I just looked at that seventeen dead, and the, all seventeen people on that duck boat were killed. Duck boat. Uh, 17 dead after a duck boat capsizes in Branson, Missouri. Oh. Uh I don't know how many people total were on the boat, but at one time they thought there was 13 people, and there were still four missing, and now apparently they've all been declared dead. So I don't know if there were any more people on the boat, but the, the people they were talking about there, they've all pretty much died.
4: Stormy weather. Just, that's it. Mm, Although yeah, another it duck was, boat on the lake weather. made it safely back to shore. So. Because they listened to the... the The alert. Oh, did the captain or whatever the uh, duck boat has? Yeah. Did they not go back when they were told to go back?
3: That I mean, that is, you know, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, parts of Texas, and and, um, Tennessee. That's all tornado country.
2: Yeah, it is. Oh, absolutely, it is. No doubt. We've known for a while that Michael Cohen taped some of his conversations, and that investigators had those tapes. What we didn't know was whether a tape of President Trump was included or whether the two discussed legally problematic things. We now know the answers to those questions. Trump was, and they did. The Washington Post has confirmed that potential turning point. Investigators had a tape of Cohen discussing a potential payment to Playboy Playmate Karen McDougal. That's uh, Stormy Daniels, isn't it? I don't know. Yes. Alleged an affair with Trump about two months before the 2016 election, the New York Times first reported the story. Trump's lawyer, Rudolph W. Giuliani, confirmed the tape exists but said it's actually exculpatory because Trump suggests the payment should be documented and the payment wasn't actually made. Uh, Let's assume for a moment that that's true. And nothing on the tape is, uh, in and of itself, damning. It still raises some very important questions, the most important of which is, why were they even talking about such things? Yeah, once again, I'm not trying to take sides here, but I I just want it as a centrist, so it's okay that JFK did it, but not that Trump did it. Is that what you're saying? Some people thought that JFK even had some people killed because mm-hmm. of it. Why doesn't anybody care about that? Because I do. Different you know. time. I guess it was a different time. I don't know. I'm not trying to defend Trump in any way, shape, or form. I'm not at all. It's just... I don't understand why if it's not your guy, uh, then you go after him. But if it is your guy, you don't say a word to him. I don't understand that at all. Uh, That's the defense that had been offered in the case of porn star Stormy Daniels, who actually did get a payment from Cohen. It also seemed to be the Trump uh, team's defense for McDougal. We have no knowledge of any of this, spokeswoman uh, Hope Hicks said when it was revealed that National Enquirer had paid for McDougal's story. Uh, and so I wonder what that's all about. You could argue Hicks denial was specifically about the Inquirer's payment, not McDougal's allegation. But if Cohen kept Trump in the dark about Daniels, why wouldn't he also keep Trump in the dark about McDougal? Isn't Daniels? I thought that was the same person, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Why wall it off for the porn star, but not the playmate? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The other key uh, question is how this plays into the payment McDougal did get from the Enquirer's publisher, American Media Incorporated, given the Enquirer is run by Trump, ally, Dave... Oh, God. The guy's name is David Pecker. <laughs> really? And you're involved in a sex scandal. <laughs> okay. That's really... That's wonderful. It has long been alleged and suspected that Pecker was doing Trump a favor by buying McDougal's story and then not running it, a practice known as catch and kill. Uh, The practical effect was basically the same as Cohen paying Daniels. The woman alleging the affair was not allowed to go public with her claim. We know based on the Washington Post reporting last month that Cohen was given a heads up about stories the Enquirer was going to run on Trump. It suggested a very cozy relationship. There's plenty we still need to learn here, but not not the least of which is that uh, what Trump actually said on the tape. I don't know. This this is all speculation. It's not even a news story. And again, I'm not defending Donald Trump in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying this is not news. It's speculation at this point. When it becomes news, then report it.
3: Right. Once somebody has listened to the tapes and yeah. and printed out what you know, make a transcript of it, then you can find yeah, out. Yeah. Really.
2: On. Why don't they just do that?
3: Well, nobody can wait anymore.
2: The uh, update on that uh, news story I just read about Janine Pirro and Whoopi Goldberg, apparently Whoopi spit on her backstage. That's a little bit of an
4: overreaction by a 62-year-old. Whoopi Mm -hmm. has gone, she went nuts a few years ago.
2: She really did. I don't know what the hell that's all about. I, I don't know.
3: Well, but the other thing is, why give them power over you to drive you that crazy?
2: I agree completely. Why would you do that? I, I, I just, I don't understand what this is all about. I just everybody hates everybody else and blah, blah, blah. But it's the, just, the another
3: part to that is sometimes you're not allowed. Like, I had a, luckily he's gone now but a co-worker that I had to share a room with. Mm-hmm. Who, in the powers of be, knew he wasn't a good person, but I was supposed to be a good person to him. Uh huh. As he was not, and it wasn't like I was going out of my way to be a jerk to him. I just didn't want to talk to him.
2: Yeah, I understand that.
3: And they literally called me in and told me I had to talk to him. Why? I still this day I don't I don't get it. I said I, I don't
2: I don't get that either.
3: Because, you know, there's, you're being uncooperative and you're being the bad guy. It's like, but you know, from the time he moved from that room to this room, that he was a problem.
2: Yeah, it's true. Um, This story that I'm about to read is a prime example of how envy gets in the way of people being decent people. This is something should have never happened, but it happened. Why? Because this kid has a superior talent, and his father is very, very wealthy, who also has superior talent. What is wrong with people? First off, no 13-year-old deserves to be branded as overrated in front of their peers. Secondly, all of the 13-year-olds one might consider overrated. LeBron, Bronny James Jr. is certainly not one of them. <laughs> Bronny James is versatile, a young guard, with strong athleticism and excellent court vision. He's already exhibiting some of his father's strongest suits, and he's only 13. So what would possess someone to claim the younger James is overrated and chant him at it in the gym? I, I, it's insane. You need more proof. This is what he was doing the day earlier. So you tell us, how can a teenager put on a show one day and then be overrated the next? Someone is wrong. We're betting it's not the analyst's. Why would you chant overrated at a 13-year-old kid because his dad's a billionaire?
3: Right.
2: Is that why you hate him? Because his yep. dad's rich and his dad's very famous? Oh, you
3: said it the hour ago that um, people hate people with money.
2: They do. They absolutely – they're so jealous of somebody like a LeBron James, they just can't get over it. So you go after his 13-year-old kid –
3: uh, well, they so, can't get to LeBron, so the next best no, thing true. is to get.
2: That's a very good point. They can't get to LeBron, so they'll get after, get after a 13-year-old kid. Good God. Was it other, I assume this was other kids in the school chanting this at him, not to forgive them for it because some of them, I'm sure, were 17, 18 years old and should know better than that. So you're jealous of LeBron James and you're jealous of LeBron James' son, and this is what we end up with. I just don't understand. Who's that? Andy? Luke. Hello. Luke, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Having a couple hearing you. Can you hear me okay? Uh, there. it's just got better. Yeah, we okay now? You can hear us fine? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. How you doing? I'm doing extremely well. Shark Tank meets Shark Week. Uh, airing Wednesday, July 25th at 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time in Pacific. On Discovery Channel, in a never-before-seen matchup, two titans of TV come together in Shark Week. Uh, Shark Tank meets Shark Week. This time, the sharks are aren't battling to buy businesses; instead, they are vying for a fifty-thousand-dollar donation on the line. This is a hello. This is a really good idea, Luke. Luke Tipple with us from Discovery Shark Week. Who came up with this idea, Luke? I believe it was actually an invention of Discovery
1: itself. Uh, oh, okay. So they they, they thought. I think there's an obvious connection there with Shark Tank, you know, just in the name sure, alone and everything sure. else and all the imagery. And, uh, and I think it was cooked up, whether it was for this year or it's been in the process for a while, I'm not sure. Uh, but I got to produce it along with, uh, the, uh, the company who actually produced it, Radley Productions. And, uh, and yeah, it came together really well. I got to work with some people that I really respect and I've worked with before. And working with the, uh, the Sharks from Shark Tank is absolutely
2: amazing. Luke, I tell you, another thing that's ama- amazing is they released the figures. Uh, I don't know if it's a coincidence they released them today, but uh, they released the figures. Discovery Shark Week makes a ton of money for Discovery. So that's good news, Luke. Yes, it
1: does. In fact, I rang the NASDAQ them this morning, and there was a little chatter about that. So <laughs> there, might re- some, uh, <laughs> there might be some uh, creative marketing going on there as well as good timing.
2: Yeah, that's it. well. It is good timing, and it is probably creative marketing. But thirty-six million dollars was with the figure that they put out there. That's one. How long has Shark Week been around now? How long has it been, Luke?
1: So this year will actually be the thirtieth anniversary. So it started in nineteen eighty-eight, and it was almost almost like a um, you know a film full of, of shark documentaries back in the day. It, it was never hosted or anything at around year ten they brought along a host and thought let's you know personalize this a little bit more and it's it's since turned into the cultural phenomenon that it is now
2: so look do any of the sharks involved in shark week are they kind of nervous about being around mark cuban
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what uh, when they when they kind of put this to me i thought oh no this. i'm going to be working with like four complete prima donnas i i used to work um as a crew member on super yacht, so oh, I, yeah. i'm pretty used to being around uh, high net worth individuals billionaires those types of people and usually mm-hmm. it's it's their way or the highway you know it's just you know if they want to do something they want to do something if they don't want to do it they're out so i thought you know nature programming doesn't go by the book you know sharks don't turn up when you want them to and <laughs> no. weather can be bad and all types of things can be terrible so i thought here we go we've got four from it on us i'm gonna have to you know work with them on all these segments. Um but every one of them was absolutely awesome. Um they were all super accommodating. Um they're all really nice, very generous with their time. Uh Mark Cuban particularly was just uh just an absolute sweetheart. He brought his family out with him and they all went shark diving. It was great.
2: I just talked to Barbara Corcoran this morning as a matter of fact about another issue. Yep. She's doing a podcast now and I talked to her about her podcast and uh I've always enjoyed she's got a very strong opinion about just about everything, but she's also a tremendously nice person. She really is. Yeah,
1: yeah, she's definitely got some spunk to her as well. She was a uh, she was a ton of fun out there.
2: Uh, oh yeah. The
1: uh, the the boat we had her on had uh, what do we have? Like fifteen um, sort of up and coming uh, junior scientist type people. They they run a program where there's just female scientists on board, and they bring out uh, a whole lot of like high school kids. So, you know, girls in the 13 to probably 16, 17-year-old range um, with the idea that getting them out there, putting them in a, in a female-centric environment, but doing like super hardcore science, you know, catching sharks, pulling them on deck, taking blood, putting them uh-huh. in bags, taking uh-huh. DNA, all that type of stuff. So we uh we put on one of these boats and she was a huge inspiration. You know, all the girls really got along with us well up there, and I think Barbara got a kick out
2: of it as well. Uh I have to take just a very, very quick break. Luke, I'll be right back. I want to hear about you and how it all happened for you right after this, Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, heating and air conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment.
6: Let's talk about good things. Does your car work? You got a roof over your head? You got kids, parents, a spouse who loves you, or a mate? These are the good things you have because you live in America, the country that has more immigration than any other nation on Earth. You have these things because the U.S. military stands at a wall and protects you from any person or thing that would take them away from you. The entire volunteer military that stands at the ready just in case. The greatest fighting force ever known on planet Earth. Every person serving in our military is ready to lay down their life, your freedom. And all too often, they do. I'm the executive director of the Gold Star Ride Foundation, an organization set up to do just one thing, take care of families left behind when one of our brave fighters loses their life for you. We're riding motorcycles throughout the country to achieve this purpose, and you can help. Go to goldstarride.org and make a donation or learn where we are so you can come and ride with us. It's a small thing we do. It was a huge thing that they did. Goldstarride.org. That's goldstarride.org. Make a donation today.
2: We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Luke Tipple from Discovery's Shark Week on with us. Luke is a marine biologist, television personality, speaker, author, producer. Is there anything you don't do, Luke? That's what I want to know.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to check off the boxes of the things that I've missed. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> let's just say I get itchy, itchy feet and I like to do a lot of different things.
2: So did you? When, at what age did you realize, I want to be a marine biologist? Did you get an early calling on that?
1: Yeah, I remember that clearly. I was uh, four and a half, five years old, Max. Um, my, uh, I was brought up in a fairly strict religious household, so a lot mm-hmm. of TV programming was, uh, was you know, barred from me because it was, you know, the or something, I don't know. Right. Um, so we, we were allowed to watch Jacques Cousteau and David Attenborough, you know, these documentaries. So yep. I kind of grew up on a steady diet of watching these, um, you know, amazing scientists going out to sea, having these grand old adventures with all their buddies on a boat. And I was like, I want to do that. And then, uh, you know, I started spearfishing from a young age, uh, started getting into the ocean at, you know, three, four years old. And I remember seeing my dad, um, you know, spearing fish, but also, you know, just, uh, interacting with wildlife, you know, grabbing the tails of little poppy gong sharks and, and things like that. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world at the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And I always wanted to be a marine, marine biologist ever since I was, ever, for as long as I can remember. I had shark posters on the walls, you know, that's what I wanted to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that makes complete sense. So, it, it, really, you were that young because I, I tell people I knew what I was going to do by the time I was 14, and they said, oh, God, that's really early, but it wasn't five years old like you. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, I mean
1: you can, you know, you've, you've kind of pointed at some of the things I've done there. You know, I've definitely had dalliances and, um, you know, done different things. Uh, you know, I was one of Australasia's top door to door salesmen when I was in my teenage years. <laughs> I was uh, yeah. always had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit. But uh, I went to college for uh, thinking, hey, I'm going to go get a, a real job, make some money, and uh, went for international business. It extremely boring, couldn't handle all the economics. Just, it was just it wasn't for me. So I switched my degree. I thought, you know what, I'm going to go do what I've always thought I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and uh, that's marine biology. And, uh, you know, for the rest of history. history kind of stuck to us, and it's worked out well.
2: It has indeed. Discovery Shark Week, television's longest-running event, celebrates its 30th anniversary beginning this Sunday, July 22nd, through next Sunday, July 29th. Shark Week 2018 features the most hours of shark programming ever on Discovery Channel. Uh, how many did it get? the The, the hours of of shark programming did it get bigger and bigger and bigger as time went by because of technology.
1: Uh, well, what it is, obviously, you know, being the 30th of uh, put a bit more budget towards making yeah, shows, yeah. uh, they've, they've greenlit more shows and they've been banking a few, you know, uh, just waiting for the 30th. Uh, but generally, uh, any given Shark Week, any given year, they'll generally make between about 12 and 16 original programs. So it'll still last the entire week, there might be a couple of reruns, but, you know, every night you're seeing three or four original shows. Uh, For the 30th, they kind of stay up to it, and they increase that production. So I think there's actually 20 or 22 original shows they made this
2: year. This lineup is unbelievable. Shark Week 2018 celebrates this milestone with an all-star lineup of athletes and celebrities, including Shaquille O'Neal, Ronda Rousey, Aaron Rodgers, Rob Gronkowski, Lindsay Vaughn, Mark Cuban, Barbara Corcoran, Kevin O'Leary, Damon John, Guy Fieri, Bear Grylls, and more. Man, you got everybody to come out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, we sure did. You know, I, uh, I kind of wish I was on the Shaq one. I can't wait to see that. Uh, just getting him in the water, I think, would be hilarious. Um, and I, from what I hear, he did a great job. Um, I, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's a star-sided line on this year.
2: Were the Sharks afraid of Shaquille?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't speak for that episode. I, I'm, I'm a viewer myself on that one.
2: He, honest to God, he is uh, he's everywhere now. He just... I don't know if you heard about this or not, but it's rather interesting. Shaquille O'Neal does uh, does some shows as a DJ. He plays a DJ named DJ Diesel, and his best friend, of course, is Charles Barkley. So he had the entire crowd as DJ Diesel shouting and chanting, Charles Barkley sucks. <laughs> they, kept, they kept chanting. It was very, very funny. I had a lot of fun with it. it just, I mean, That's the whole thing now. It seems that all of these people are in a position where they they can have some fun, and that's maybe the most important part of their life, to be involved in Shark Week or in any way, shape, or form to get out there. And It's got to be new and interesting to a lot of these people, and they never thought to get a chance like this, I would assume. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's... It's something I've had the privilege to see, you know, quite a lot, you know, uh, working in science and then in tourism and consulting and now TV. Um, you know, I've, I've taken a lot of people to see sharks for the first time, from kids eight years old to, yeah. you know, Russian billionaires who can do anything they want on the planet. Um, and every single one of them, they have the same response. You know, they get to see this awesome animal. They go face to face with a 17-foot predator that's coming towards them. Dude. And they're dumbstruck. They, they have that personal connection and you know whether they're afraid or excited or whatever they they all realize that these are amazing animals and they all walk away with a new appreciation for the oceans and for that uh, for the particular species and sharks in general so i think you know this year we're going to see a lot of that and that's really cool you know people from all different types of walks of celebrity whether they're super rich or really good at fighting or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um they're all going to have you know a really magical experience and that's something i saw on all the shows that i worked on
2: do you do you find some people, particularly uh, business people that are very very wealthy and and public figures, all the rest of it? Do people think they know a lot more about sharks than they actually do?
1: I've i found that most people, and obviously there's a caveat for the arrogant people who you who know, <laughs> I generally don't tend to work with. Right. But most most high net worth individuals, people who are at a certain level of you know. Um, some career level where they are an expert in something, they generally defer to other experts. You know, there's something that is common with all of those oh, people. That's good. They, they know to listen to their, they they listen to their coach. They listen to other experts in fields that they don't know about to better educate themselves. They're all very very smart people. Um, you know, people who generally think that they've got it all figured out. They generally don't get to that level of prestige unless there's some you know idiot reality stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> <That> <laughs> was nice, every Luke. one of these people, so <laughs> I mean, there might be a few out there, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, there it might be. The, the privilege of working with these people who will defer to us, particularly when they're worried about getting their legs and arms bitten off, and maybe that's the thing. <laughs> maybe they're just listening because they, they don't want to die.
2: <laughs> well, that is a good thing. Your first job out of college was as a resident marine biologist in, the, in Honduras, where you ran a whale shark so, tagging program?
1: Yep. Uh, I got very lucky actually. Uh, yeah. before that, I was working on Sip yachts. Um, uh, but i I decided not to continue working on the yachts, and I went back and finished my degree. And uh, right out of college, I remember uh, I was looking for another job thinking I'd go back to the yachts, uh, but I wanted to do you know to use my degree and I wanted to work with sharks. And as a professional diving instructor at the time, uh, I was looking on the uh, the job board uh, for the dive instructor job boards, and I saw this job must have professional. You know, dive instructor experience, um, be highly qualified for uh, diving, and be a marine biologist, and you'll be in charge of the tagging uh, program for the whale show. And it was in Honduras; like right? it had exotic location, beautiful island, great diving. It just had everything. I thought, I'm applying for this, and I'm never going to get it and I got the job and I didn't even go to my graduation. I needed me to start early so I finished my last exam I got on a plane and I went I still have nightmares you know those nightmares where you like you wake up and you, you can't sort of escape out of that dream yes. mine is that I didn't graduate <laughs> I, I have this recurring dream that I didn't graduate because I didn't get closure on my graduation ceremony but what I was doing instead I was 30 feet underwater tagging wild sharks with a spear gun. So I'll take that
2: trade off. You know, Luke, it's interesting. Uh, you pioneered sustainable procedures for commercial out-of-cage work with great white sharks. How did you know you weren't going to get your head bitten off?
1: <laughs> uh, well, that came about, uh, I was working down in Guadalupe Island for about five years. Okay. Uh, at about year, year three and a half. So at that time, I've been watching great white from above and below the water, but always inside a cage or on top of the deck. So, approximately about 1200 hours. Um, so, I had a pretty good idea how those particular sharks work, how they approach the bait, uh, what they did when they were pissed off, uh, how to the, see their agitation, whatever else. And uh, I had the opportunity, because we, we were doing some filming and a documentary came along and said, hey, we want to do some out of the cage work for free dive. We got the thermos and I thought, well, I'm not putting people in the water without testing it first and a cameraman, we dropped a cage down below and we started exiting the cage and started working with these animals at like 30, 40 feet under the boat. And uh, and yes, yeah, that just, we realized that it's totally fine. Um, I started getting outside of the cage on the surface and down below. And then uh, we started doing some production, started getting some documentaries down there. And, uh, you know, for better or for worse, uh, that type of media coming out, probably, you can look at it a couple different ways. It, it was good publicity for the animals. Uh, but then some opportunistic operators decided, Hey, well, we he can just run tourist operations and take people outside cages, which is a really bad idea. Cause then you've got a person who's never seen one of these sharks before oh. breathing too hard. Their heart's beating too fast. They don't know how to react when a shark comes towards them looking to take a bite out. <laughs> and, uh, and, that's we love to and that does happen. You have to know how to stand your ground and swim towards a 17 foot animal and be prepared to smack it in the head, uh, if, you know, your general advanced diver, I don't care who you are, doesn't know that. They don't have those instincts. So uh, they eventually closed down those operations uh, at Guadalupe. But in general, yeah, there's a lot of work that can be done out of the cage quite safely
2: with grey White. That is amazing. If
1: you know what you're doing.
2: If you know what you're doing, yes. Luke Tipple, ladies and gentlemen, okay. Shark Week. Uh, of course, on Discovery Channel, Shark Tank meets Shark Week. It's airing Wednesday, July 25th, at 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, 8 p.m. Central, on Discovery Channel. Fascinating conversation, Luke. It, it, I love talking about things like this. I appreciate your time.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Always happy to come on board. If I, uh, if I might mention as well, on sure. Sunday night, I also I hosted the uh, the Snapchat series that Discovery Channel does for Shark Week. So every year they have a Shark Week channel on Snapchat. Last year it was getting between 10 and 15 million viewers per episode. So we did uh, three episodes this year. That drops on uh, Sunday. You can watch it anytime you like on Snapchat. Uh, they're three to four minute episodes and we're targeting, you know, the younger viewers, the 13 to 22 year olds who might want to get into science or might want to check out shark diving for the first time. So hopefully they find some content there that inspires them to get in the water and learn a bit more about science.
2: That is terrific. Luke, uh, come back soon. I love talking to you. It's fascinating, a fascinating subject, but you're a fascinating guy. You've done a
0: lot.
1: I have, yeah. Uh, anytime, mate. I'll, uh, I'll be back. Great chatting
2: to you. Thank you, sir. Luke Tipple, ladies Cheers. and gentlemen. Okay. What a good guy. Really nice guy. I don't um, know
3: if I could hang out with sharks. Well,
2: that's what I think most people's reaction is. I don't know if I could do that.
3: Well, you know they added mermaids to the underwater world. It,
2: oh, at the Mall of America? Yep. Yeah. What do you mean, mermaids?
3: Women in mermaid costumes swim with the sharks.
2: They do? Yeah. I didn't know that. Mm. I had no idea. I got to run something by you because uh, John Schnatter is not looking too good these days, as you know. Dropped the big N on the phone call, and I don't know. I oh, still don't know beats. why he did it.
3: And, and he keeps saying they forced him into it.
2: I don't. Forced him into saying the big N? Yeah. I just do it free will. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I, I did and I, I looked at the transcript of the conversation of his of the because inter- he did an interview afterwards trying to explain why he did it.
2: So he said that Colonel used to use the big N, right. Colonel Sanders.
3: And as the conversation was going on, it was like whoever was in whoever he was talking to on the phone kept pushing him to do it. it oh like,
2: really? Yeah. Just he was definitely set up. Right. Yeah, it kind of seems like you was, was. 100% to set up. Well, here's a problem. The fallout from a scandal involving Papa John's founder is still being felt with news reports now, suggesting the world's third largest pizza delivery company missed out on a possible merger. Per the Wall Street Journal, uh, journal John Schnatter held preliminary merger talks with executives from Wendy's Mm-mm. before a scandal erupted over his use of a racial slur. A source tells the Journal the talks have since cooled... CNBC goes further, saying the talks have stopped altogether with no deal imminent. Still, Papa John's shares uh, rose as much as 6% with the news, per Business Insider. Schnatter retains a 30% stake in the company, and that pushed his stake to about $510 million. It's the the pizza (laughs) of choice of all the... uh
3: Bigoted people, I guess. Oh, there you go.
2: (laughs) So who would the the two be that are bigger than Papa John's?
3: Well, Domino's and Pizza
2: Yeah. Oh, I suppose it would be Domino's and Pizza I I guess that does make sense. But,
3: I mean, I'm not a Domino's
2: fan at all. I heard they they upgraded their pizza, though it's better now. I've had it recently, and it still was. Still uh, not good.
1: Their service isn't that great.
2: Oh, it's not? Really? Mm -hmm. I did not know that.
3: At least the one by my house is terrible. Right, Andy?
2: That's not good. Oh Man, he just yeah, that's it. true. <laughs> the dominoes. But, yeah,
3: I don't know why he would. Why did he think that he had to get into the political realm?
2: I don't understand that. And make I'm, comments. Just sell,
3: sell your pizza and make your money.
2: I'm so rich now that I know everything. Right. That's what it is. I think they just think they get really rich and they go, "I'm smarter than everybody else." Yeah, I guess.
3: Or somebody asking for a comment and it's like. You know, you know, I have nothing to say on that subject. You just keep walking and keep selling you. Because I'm going to tell you, I, I preferred Papa John's over the other two. Okay. And, and you know me, I'm not a person for political stances or whatnot, but it's no, like I I, understand. I can't support somebody who, who's that dumb.
2: <laughs> we will be back on Monday. Thanks for listening today. Talk to you later. Tom Bernard Show.